The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we have a very interesting show for you. I thought it would be a nice change from Michael Jackson or from uh, the various woes of the world. Well, actually, (laughs) these are the woes of the world, too, but in a different, uh, more, I guess, personal way. I mean, individualized way, let's put it that way. Um, My guest is Larry Sager. He has a very interesting background, which you will hear, and he has written a book called No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, The Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you very much, Carol. Um, Before we get into the book and, and of course, the stories, the tales, um, why don't you give us a background? Because, you know, you've you've somehow gotten from being a San Francisco cab driver to an attorney, or, or maybe that was the other way around. I'm not sure, but... Um, what are, your your life actually seems to be as interesting as the people that you carried in your cab. So why don't you give us that background first? Sure. Well, I, I do actually practice as an attorney at this point. Um, in the past, I worked as a professional musician for many years. I was involved in doing some renovations of old Victorian houses in San Francisco for a while. I uh, worked in the radio business for a bit. And... Um, during actually uh, one of our last economic downturns back in the 90s, I was working a job with a construction company, and I decided to go back to school to get my undergrad degree. And uh, at night, I began driving a cab. There was a buddy of mine, actually, another musician friend of mine who had been driving a cab. He had taken the job as, as a temporary gig, as most cab drivers do. And he had been driving at that point for about 17 years. Wow. So I said to him, you know, I, I, I thought maybe I'll go out and, you know, drive at night or something. Is this a good thing to do? Do you recommend it? He, so, he said, oh, yeah, it's great. And uh, so that's well, how wait, I started wait. doing now, it. I when, went you down were, the when you were company. going to school, because I think this is significant, you were taking creative writing, right? Right. Well, I, I decided to go back to school and get a, a degree in creative writing in English. Uh, I had been in and out of you know, schools for years, and I figured out, well, the, the quickest, fastest way to get a degree for me was in the English area. And, uh, yeah, my first semester I had, like, five creative writing classes and a lot of re- writing requirements. And actually what happened was that the driving and picking up all these lovely folks worked out really well as far as having material to work with for returning my assignments in. 
and and that's where um, that's where this book was put together. I mean, you actually wrote um, what every every morning after you would finish. We would write about the people of the night before. Well, that's exactly what I started doing. Um, you know, I went uh, after after a few weeks of driving around. I called up my good buddy, the musician, my fellow musician. I said, you know, have you ever had people pulling knives on you, running out on you, not paying, and this and that? He's like, oh no, that's never happened to me. <laughs> um, so I don't think he's being totally upfront about that. But I thought, well, maybe I'll start writing some of this stuff down because I'm not going to remember it. Right. And eventually it became like a nightly ritual. I'd get home about 3, 3.30 in the morning, and I'd write for a couple hours about what happened that evening. So then, um, just to skip ahead before we go back, uh, so you went to law school after this? Right. So I was I was driving my cab. My intention was to get my undergrad degree and go to law school. So, you know, of course, you know, someone gets in the cab, what are you doing, why are you doing this? Oh, I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> like, uh-huh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my intention. And, I mean, I didn't realize at the time when I took this job that you're 60 times more likely to become a homicide fatality than any other job. Than going to law school. <laughs> yeah, much higher rate than attending law school of, uh, <laughs> of homicide, uh, possibly being a homicide victim. Well, um, you know, well, you don't know, but <laughs> since this is called Dr. Carol's Couch, um, when I have people on, I, I can't help but um, want to, to some extent, uh, sort of analyze what has brought them to a particular moment or experience that they are talking about, like in their book or in their work. And obviously there must be something interesting um, in your background because, because you're an intelligent man, and why is it that you didn't finish or go through college from high school? Um, geez, let's see. Well, I, I grew up in Detroit, and um, I, got, I actually graduated my high school on the early side, and I attended some college, and pretty much the minute I turned 18, I drove out to California, and... Um, wanted to pursue music and radio and the arts and things like that. And so um, I was focused on doing that. In fact, you know, I was, I was taking at one point classes in radio, and at the same time I got offered a couple of radio shows that conflicted with my class time. So I was thinking, well, do I go to class and learn about getting into radio, or do I take this radio show and skip class? Uh-huh. So I decided you know, the radio, to do the radio show, show. I'll bet. seems like the better way to go. <laughs> um, so I did that, and then, and then I got more involved in music over the years and um, just never went back and, and uh, finished the school, really. Okay, and, well, all right, because that's important um, to, for me to dig into your, uh, <laughs> into your early life because, uh-huh. um, because I'm sure that that obviously colored your perspective or gave you some experiences from which you were able to um, view the people who got into your cab. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I guess as far as deciding, you know, my educational path or my music path, I mean, for me, I mean, all, I mean Mick Jagger is 
proven this wrong, but it just at a certain point I felt like, you know, I think I'm a little too old to be jumping around here on stage and mm-hmm. dance. And and pretty much my <laughs> life is over, so I might as well go to law school. <laughs> All right. So why don't you now take us along with you in the cab? Okay. So um backtracking or forward tracking. Um so I'm I've got these creative writing classes I'm going to and in the meantime, I'm writing at night about all these folks getting in and out. And, you know, at first I thought, well, this is a good couple of stories. And um, the couple of stories just kept going. I mean, it got to a certain point that I started carrying around a tape recorder in the cab. Wow. Along with my notebook. And people would, you know, get in and get out. And I'd flip the tape recorder on and say, you know, this guy did this. And he was with this person. And they said this. And. Oh, so you didn't tape them. You 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 taped yourself after they got out. Pardon? Is that right? Oh, yeah. And so I would would just, I would make a a voice recording after they're out. I wasn't recording people in the cab. Yes, that's what I was wondering. I mean, (laughs) in a sense, you were sort of the um, prequel to Taxi Cab Confessions. Do you know that? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so where so how did it start off? What were some of the interesting ones from the beginning? Well, unfortunately, I mean, the first three months that I was driving, I had guys pulling knives out on me on like a semi-weekly basis, and they seemed to be coming mostly from pickups I made at bus stops. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on this job, and so and I'm, you know, giving myself rules. Rule number one, I'll stop picking up people from bus stops. <laughs> Bad, yeah. You know, they have a dollar and a knife, and that's it. <laughs> um, but, of course, you know, and then there's always the exception. And, and oh, wait, one, so what did you do when they pulled knives on you? Well, well, one guy, I, I jumped out of the cab. <laughs> um, another guy, I just finessed him out of there. And um, um, trying to convince him that he didn't really want to stab you after all. <laughs> um, well, I just kind of—I mean, he was—he was rustling around with this bag, and he kind of opened it up, and there's this knife there, and he's kind of playing around with it. And, and I just told him, you know, if you're get, if you're taking a cab, you're gonna have to pay for the ride. If you don't have any money, you got to get out. Uh-huh. And you know, I'll unlock my door and look for the police, and um, you know, pretty much try to make a quick exit. Uh, one of these guys was also somebody who got in into the front seat, which the cab company advises you, you know, not to have people sit in the front. But you know, what's better, a guy pulling a knife on you who's in back of you or who's next to you? <laughs> so I don't know about some of these cab rules they have either. I mean, suggestions from the cab company. But um, uh, on another occasion, I got into a, a kind of a tussle with somebody because he wanted to know if I had changed for a $100 bill. And I said, yes. He said, well, let me see your change. Oh, said, yeah. Well, let me see your 100 And so that went back and forth, and then he's got his girlfriend in there with him, and so one thing leads to another, and, um, and uh, I ended up jumping out of the cab, he, uh, and uh, he came after me. I had some pepper spray with me. I sprayed him with the pepper spray. He hit me with a skateboard, and it just so happened there was a cop a block down. He pulled up in back of us and and took the guy off to jail. <laughs> wow! 
that was fortunate. I mean, what about in the other instances when you jumped out? Did the people chase after you still, or, or did they just give up at that point? Well, I had, I had one guy who I picked up who was bleeding from the head. Huh. And this is like 2 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, of course, being in San Francisco, people think about things such as AIDS. Anyways, being the good Samaritan, I picked the guy up. And uh, one thing leads to another with him, and he wants money from me, and he ends up chasing me essentially in circles around the cab. And in the meantime, I had called for an ambulance, and uh, the ambulance pulled up in the middle of him chasing me around the car, (laughs) and the uh, medics got out and pulled him away from me, and then the police showed up a few minutes later, and... um, Anyways, to make uh, the longer story short that's in the book also, uh, the police take him away, and um, I'm left with no fare, and I have blood all over my cab. Mm-hmm. And uh, a bunch of people actually pitched in in a really bad part of town and helped me clean the blood off of the cab. Huh. Now, how old were you at this time? Uh, let's see. In my 30s. Okay. So now, can you make a decent, aside from, you know, these incidents that we're going to be talking about and, the, and people chasing you with knives, is it a decent, were you able to make a decent living? Well, you know, for me it was okay. I mean, but I was a single guy. Um, I was in school. Um, you know, I didn't have a family to support. And when things were slow, I would go down to the airport and I'd study or I would write. But, I I mean, I would take advantage of part of my time to Mm. to study for tests and things like that. So, I mean, it's the book itself and and my advocacy is definitely not to recommend this as some kind of a career path and a way to support yourself and the family. (laughs) Okay, and we'll we'll hear more about that when we get back. Um, my guest is Larry Sager. He's begun taking us along with him in his cab. His book is No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, The Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Larry Sager. He's the author of a new book, relatively new. Well, you'll have to tell us how new. I'm not sure. No guns, no knives, no personal checks, the tales of a San Francisco cab driver. And I thought this would be a nice uh, release um, after some of the heavy-duty things or, or the... Uh, um, surreal things, the Michael Jackson things and the heavy-duty things. I thought we'd this would be uh, an interesting release and relief from that. So, Larry, keep... Um, now, I'm sure in San Francisco, some of the uh, interesting people that you had in the back of the cab uh, had to do with different sexual proclivities. <laughs> yeah. Well, San Francisco is a town where you have um, a lot of uh, variations of everything going on. And if you're a cab driver, in a way it makes it even a little harder to tell who you shouldn't be picking up and who you should pick up. Uh, you know, because if you see some guy dressed in leather and he's got chains and tattoos and, you know, a ring in his nose and a nail through his head, it's probably a, a pretty harmless gay guy and he's a safe pickup. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, yeah. You know, it's the people, like I tell people, you know, it's the people who look kind of like normal and every day that you have to watch out for because if people are doing psycho stuff, they have to look kind of normal. Normal, way uh-huh. with them a while, you know. So that, that makes it a little more challenging. And um, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, I had my little rules, like don't pick people up from bus stops. Uh, what are the rules? Uh, 
of course, one evening I see a woman at a bus stop, and she's dressed nicely, and she has a big shopping bag, and she's flagging. I thought, well, you know, I'll pick her up. Mm-hmm. So she gets in, and then she starts telling me her dating troubles. And, and <laughs> of course, in, in, being in your field in psychiatry, you know, as a cab driver, you go from, you know, whipping boy to cab driver to experienced psychologist, you know, all in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. If people will tell you, you know, the most intimate things and think that you can solve all their problems, mm. you know, they're lucky to get someone who speaks English at all anyway in the first <laughs> place. But so she gets in and, and she starts telling me her dating woes and how she made a fool of herself and met somebody in a bar and and says to them, uh, I'd really like to get to know you better. And the woman responds back to my woman passenger, well, how much better you want to get to know me because you slept with me four weeks ago. <laughs> so, anyway, um, and so unfortunately I wasn't her type. She's a very attractive, nice lady, but she liked women who dressed in high heels. And well, Wait, are you going to say, I mean, was she a woman, really? Yeah, yeah. So this is a woman who got in, very attractive, and, and she liked women. And then, uh, actually, as, as our conversation progressed, she said something about, the guys that she dates are always so gross. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, so you're dating men and women? Yeah. She's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, and she paid the fare and she gave me a tip and and uh, so I mean, really, in the end, it was it was a good ride. So what? So she was just sort of um, she had had this embarrassing encounter and she was wanted some solace from you. Right, and I kept telling her, no, you know, don't worry, uh, everything is fine, you know, did you get her phone number, yeah, yeah. But then when I found out, you know, that she didn't recognize someone who she slept with, I thought, well, <laughs> you, might, you might actually have some issues there. It could be yes. a problem there. I guess, uh, I guess when you, the, the higher numbers you get to, I mean, I guess she's sleeping with so many people, she can't keep them straight. Right, the men, the women, the, you know, what, what can you do? <laughs> okay, tell us some more. But, um, well, you know, we were talking, well, the, the title of the book, No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, yeah. of course, mostly is, is pretty much wishful thinking. Um, really, one, one of the uh, scariest times I'd say I ever had driving was actually when I just showed up to the lot, to the cab yard, where they assign you a cab, and a guy had just returned to work who had been shot in the face. Oh. Like uh, you know, the month previous, and uh, he was it was late at night, and he was driving in a, in a not great area, and he pulled over to uh, let his passengers out, and some kids came up from the outside and shot him from outside the cab hmm. through the windshield. Just to rob him? Um, I I you know I don't know if they robbed him or not actually. Um, all I know is that he got shot and he lived, and then he came back to work. He was like a celebrity, actually, and came back to the yard, and everyone's gathered around him. Hmm. But uh, that's when it's not as scary usually when you're out there and maybe you've got a little more adrenaline going, and and you try not to think about those things. But as as I write in the book, there's always that danger that's hanging over your head. You know, is this person going to try to stab me in the neck? Do they have a gun? Are they going to pay? Are they going to throw up? Hmm. 
important things. <laughs> well, now, in those days, did they not have um, windows? I mean, the plexiglass windows be separating you from the back seat? Well, at that time in San Francisco, actually, they were just starting to introduce the shields. Mm-hmm. And they had maybe like a dozen cabs that had shields. Um, I drove one on a couple occasions. And, you know, the advantage of the shield is that um, I guess it's supposed to stop a bullet and it'll keep someone from knifing you. And it can help prevent you from, you know, contracting the swine flu or the bird <laughs> flu or whatever flu is out that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's good, you know, if someone's throwing up back there, you know, keep it keep that uh, to the side. But when the shield goes in, it creates an, an area where your seat can't go back. Mm. So if you're, say, over five foot two mm. and you're driving, it's, your knees are going to be jammed <laughs> up, essentially. So it's very uncomfortable. And, and like this guy who got shot through the front of the windshield, yeah. I mean, if someone's going to shoot you, they yeah. Obviously, they, apparently they'll get out and go around to the front and shoot you like that, mm-hmm. or get in, you know, on the other side of um, the driver's side, get in on the passenger's side. So um, people, and, and of course, with the shield, you're also kind of um, letting people know that yes, I'm terrified from you and by mm-hmm. you, and I'm afraid you're going to kill me, and you know, <laughs> I'm going to drive yeah. around in this protective box. So it's not is good an opportunity to get a tip. Mm. And uh, mm, that's interesting, yeah. You know, to, because you don't to have that connection, you don't passenger. have as much of a connection. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I I guess if there's when when there's the shield in there, it's they say it's almost like a superficial mechanism of protection, but um like I say, if someone's going to do something, I don't think in the end the shield's necessarily mm-hmm. going to really help you if someone's mm-hmm. hell bent on getting to you. Now, did you ever um, did you ever meet someone in the back of your cab who you went out with later? I mean, were you married at the time? No, you said you weren't. You were single. No. That's why it was a good deal. Okay, so did you ever I... go out with anybody? No, you know, actually, I was very attracted to that girl who was dating the men and the women. Yes, I can tell. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but actually, Did you at ask the time, her I was seeing a girl who um, who um, punched me in the face and tried to also run me over in her car another time. So for me, it was like driving the cab. Not sure was that much more dangerous <laughs> than hanging around her. <laughs> Well, I mean, as you were describing some of these things, I was thinking to myself that it has to be someone who, someone who would drive a cab at night in a city would have to have a kind of desire for some adventure or danger. Did yeah, you recognize well, I, you that know, in yourself? And then now you're saying, you know, you went out with this kind of dangerous woman. Did you recognize this need for danger in yourself? Well, I think it was like just a good opportunity to have an excuse not to hang out with her. <laughs> Frankly, yeah. my psychiatrist. <laughs> well, you could have just dumped her. Why did you need to drive a cab? Really, because people can't do. You know, you can't do the simple thing. You got to yes. make it complicated, right? You didn't want to hurt her feelings when she was running you over. Right? That's right. <laughs> I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't like your drive. <laughs> well. 
Um, okay, so you didn't date anyone. What about, did you become friends with anyone? Um, or do any business actually, with it? Well, I guess you weren't really doing business in those days. But, like, did you ever see anyone after who you picked up in a in a cab? Um, I'm trying to think. There, there were a couple people who I made some contacts with. There was a guy who got in who I recognized as a, as a law professor um, from the local school. And, and um, I think I called him up at a later point, but... Again, it was kind of like, oh, you're you're driving a cab and you're going to go to law school, okay? Uh-huh. This is, you know, because cab drivers are, you know, about to go to law school. They're about to write their book. They're about to become mm. a musician, and you know, several other things. Well, I mean, there's the, cab drivers are some interesting people too. I mean, I'm sure people listening, and probably yourself, and I know myself. I mean, I've gotten into a cab with some pretty interesting guys. Yes. Or cab drivers, and and who were probably, you know, uh, taking a lot of speed and amphetamines at the same time too. I mean, that's why they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting group, and um, um, like what? Like, I mean, yes, you you brought out one thing that they're about to do something that they feel like this is just temporary, and your friend did it for seventeen years. Um, were there any other kinds of uh, patterns? Well, I think I think there are a lot of folks doing that, and, and and there are. I mean, most people are thinking, "I'm just going to do this for a little while," and one thing leads to another, and and even in the in the intro to the book, I mentioned, you know, um, is this job something that's going to make you depressed and despondent and suicidal, or will I be able to take the job and really go on with my life? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, when we come back, why don't you tell us about what makes the difference in someone? I mean, obviously, you were able to go on with your life and thrive, but but there are a lot who are who are just stuck there. We'll talk about that when we get back. Again, my guest is Larry Sager. His book is No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with each 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're taking a slice of life today uh, by taking a ride in the cab with, with Larry Zager. He, uh, is, he's telling in his book called No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, the tales of a San Francisco cab driver, which he was at the time. Um, so, Larry, before, the, before we took a break, you were starting to say about some cab drivers are, are, get dis- depressed and despondent and stay cab drivers forever, and other people like yourself who managed to actually go to law school, write the book and go to law school, um, as well as finishing the college courses that you were taking at the time, you managed to sort of extricate yourself from it and, and in fact, um, use it, use these life experiences uh, to, to, um, to share with others. Um, what does make the difference? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I, could, I can tell you what I've observed. I, yeah. I can tell you what was in my own head. Um, the guy, my buddy who I used to play music with and actually another friend of his who... Um, played some music with us occasionally. Uh, they both started cab driving, and I mentioned to you that the one buddy of mine had been doing it already for 17 years when I talked to him about doing it temporarily. He's still doing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's still there. And I mean, I would talk to him every couple of years, like, what's going on, Sandy? <laughs> and he'd say, oh, well, I'm still doing this taxi thing, but I'm going to get out of it really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his other buddy, who I had talked to before I started driving, who was also advocating, you know, that cab driving is a good way to support yourself. Um, you know, I was concerned at that time about how dangerous it was and driving through the Tenderloin and, and bad parts of town. He said to me, oh, you don't got to worry about that. You know, the drug dealers, they're interested in selling their drugs. They don't want to mess with you. They don't want to bother you. They just want to make their sales. You know, it's not really an issue. And... He was making great money and having more time to play his music, actually, and buying fancy equipment. 
what he didn't tell me is that he was also selling crack <laughs> at the same time. And, and about uh, nine months later, he got busted and sent to jail. Oh, wow. For the first time. <laughs> then got out and same thing happened again. So, uh, I mean, for me, I mean, I was there. I had a set time. It's like I have, you know, two years to finish my classes. Um, I'm applying to law schools, and then I'm going to quit the job and go to the law school, and and that will be it. So, I mean, I just I stayed focused. I kept taking my classes, and, I mean, for me, it helped me, I think, to get through the night. I mean, I was working you know, probably about 25, 30 hours a week. So it wasn't full-time. But it's not, you know, it's a, it's a little grueling of a job. It's not the, the greatest thing to be sitting around driving all over town. San Francisco is beautiful. But, um, you know, I just kept focused, well, this is this is really temporary. I got a plan. I'm taking my classes. And now I'm writing stories. And, and I think, frankly, I might have picked up some people at times for just the reason of saying, wow, here's here's a whacked out looking guy. I'm going to mm. pick him up and see what happens. Mm. You know, I, because you knew you were writing about it, and yeah, this would be kind of interesting. Material. <laughs> yes. So, um, but I mean, you can get yourself in trouble too. I mean, there's, you know, I, saw, I was driving down the street one one day and one evening, and I saw some guy like beating this woman, you know, and I got out and tried to get involved, and the bouncer at the bar where they were next to, he said, oh, don't get involved with them. You know, you should have saw a couple minutes ago, she was getting her licks in there too, you know. And mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you get involved with something going on in the street and it's just not going to lead to anything good. What, uh, what about, did people have sex in the back of your car? Well, um, sometimes it sounds like they may be having sex. <laughs> and it's something you probably don't want to see. Um I, w- I was driving down the street one night, and actually I saw a couple people um, having sex. Um, it was about, like, 3 in the morning, and I-, and I thought that was pretty exciting. And I went around the block. I thought I'd take another pass, and then okay. I thought, geez, well, they having sex or is she getting raped? Mm. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I w- circled back around, and on my second pass, they w- had, you know, started getting dressed, and I rolled down the window. I was like, are you okay? And mm. The woman says, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> fine until you came by. Right? So um, you, you see things like that. When you're, uh, you know, when you're driving down the block just to go to the store, it's a different experience than when you're driving a cab because you're looking for people who want a cab. You're looking to make sure you don't pick people up who are just looking to rob you. It's a different experience. You see a lot more stuff because you're just, for me, I'm looking everywhere on the street trying to make sure I'm aware of things. And when people get in the cab, for me, I kind of ran it as like an interview show. I ask them questions, try to figure out, you know, if they're drunk, if if they've got money, you know, what's their intention, how safe Mm -hmm. a person is this. And uh, I say, you know, how inebriated they are, it helps because... People who are drunk sometimes forget that they're in a cab. They don't know who you are. They forget where they're going. They mm. don't know where they're going. You're taking them home. They insist you're going the wrong way. Mm. And um, I found out also that it is possible to sneeze and throw up at the same time. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, do they do they help you back at the cab barn with, um, you know, with I mean, they presumably clean the cab when you get back, right? Well, no, they don't actually. <laughs> Everything is <laughs> they, up, left they don't up do to that you? at all. Um, you know, there there are medallion owners, and they get the same cab every night. And if you're driving the same cab, you're, you'll make some effort to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. But if you have a different cab, if you're not a medallion owner, you're somebody like me, you're getting a different cab, your um, motivation to keep the cab clean is somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did want to keep the, cl- the cab clean enough so that the next person could get in and not slide through a pile of throw-up. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I had a guy got in one night, and I write about this in the book, and I was... I was about 80% sure this guy had taken a dump in the back seat. Oh, God. <laughs> and and it was, you know, 2 o'clock. I picked him up from a bar. He was stumbling mm-hmm. around. And, um, you know, I kept looking back at him, and he wanted to know what I was looking at for. <laughs> and the cat, I mean, it was just the foulest smell ever. And, um, you know, the... My relationship with him didn't go that great. And then, I guess, I mean, there's other people who um, uh, who are getting in, and you're pretty sure, you know, they're going to be puking at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's because you were doing it at night, and there was, I mean, did you try to go, except for when you wanted colorful stories for your book, did you try to, when you were thinking, you know, just, just as far as safety, did you try to, were there certain kinds of people that you would try to pick up or were there certain spots that you would try to go? Um... Well, I, actually, I, I would try, I hung around, I, didn't, I don't really like dealing with the tourists that much. Why? Um, number one, because they're usually going from like the Hilton to the Nico, which is, you know, four blocks. Uh-huh. And second of all, in, in San Francisco, you've got a lot of, Italian and uh, European tourists, and and they tip. You know, I, I had a woman, I had a German woman give me 10 cents, you know. <laughs> and I chased after her, too, afterwards. I said, you forgot your dime. You, you gave me too much money. Um, I used to, I, I would drive around in the Castro a lot in the, in the gay areas because the, the gays tip good, and actually they're pretty entertaining for the most part. <laughs> Did anybody? Um, I guess I should have asked. Did, did anybody try to pick you up? Um, constantly. <laughs> what was that like? Um, well, I I um, I had a girlfriend, and I and I like women, and I'm, uh, so it was a pain in the ass a lot of times. Well, I mean, why did they think? Um, I I have no idea what you look like. So, uh, so well, um, why? Well, I mean, was it just that you were? Overwhelmingly charming, charming and good-looking, or or they were overly drunk, or what was? The... Well, I, unfortunately, I'd have to say that they were quite drunk, <laughs> and they would but, just sort of come out and proposition you, or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in my defense, also, it's like um, you know, here's my chance to turn somebody, or it's, you know, if you're um, you know, if you're virgin material, it, that's you're a target there. It's like, oh, here's here's something new. Uh huh. Um, but so, I mean, there were times, I mean, I had to get, um, I had to, you know, yank these guys out of the back seat. They would not get out of the seat. I had a guy, um, 
that I finally got out of the cab and I left him in the middle of the street and he's yelling out to me from the middle of the street about giving me a BJ. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you get guys like that, and then, you know, they're in the back, and then, and then like, it, it seemed like, some weeks seemed like it's hijack a cab week. Because over the radio, every five minutes, you know, oh, cab stolen, APB, you know, mission. Hmm. Second. Other weeks, it was like grab the, sh- the cab driver's shoulder a week. Hmm. You know, and you've got guys grabbing at me. So, Better if you're going to patrol the gay area, like do it, like kind of cut that out at about 11. Hmm. <laughs> you don't want to, you know, be hit on. Um, but, you know, you, you don't have total control where you go because someone's getting a ride and they say, take me down there. And um, really you're obligated yeah. to go, supposedly. Well, the regulations are that if you think you're in danger, or you have a safety concern, you don't have to do whatever it is someone's asking you to do. Um, but there are times, you know, I ended up in bad neighborhoods. I, I even took one night for some reason, I took a call right in the area of where the cab yard is, which is one of the roughest parts of town. And I had just come back to, to the yard and I was late by like two minutes. So I get charged for an extra hour. So I was like, Damn, I'm going to go back out. So I went out, and mm. I, this girl oh, got in the Wait, cab. wait. We, that's yeah, the music. Okay. We, t- we need to take a break, but I want to hear the rest of that, and I'm sure everybody else does too. So we will when we come back. We're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Uh, my guest is Larry Sager. He has written the book called No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, The Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. When we come back, we'll hear the rest of that tale. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with Larry Sager, the author of No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, The Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. And before the break, uh, Larry was telling us about one evening when he came back to the cab barn and um, was a few minutes late and went out again and... Well, like I say, you come in late and they they charge you an hour of having the cab. So I tried to make my... You know, twenty bucks that I have to pay for the cab, or fifteen dollars for that hour. And I traveled up the hill, very not great part of town. And um, I pull up to the front of the house, and there's a young kid there in a bulky jacket, baggy pants. And uh, I roll down the window, and he says, "What do you What do you want?" I said, "Well, I got you know a call to pick somebody up here. It's a bright yellow cab. What do you think?" <laughs> Um, anyway, so then it, this young girl comes out, gets in, she goes out to uh, a, a part of town pretty far away, and she's telling me about her uh, brother and her cousin who've just been shot, you know, in the neighborhood in some drive-by shooting, and she's um, pretty upset about that. So um, uh, it's it's like a skin, it's schizophrenic experience really driving because you know you you go from one type of person to the next you go to people who you know love san francisco you get people get in the cab and say you know uh what's with this town the men are trying to be women the women are trying to be men everyone's crazy get me out of this place you know and um it can be typically you know nine hours and 45 minutes of calm driving and 15 minutes of being scared absolutely out of your mind. Or vice versa. Right. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, now, um, 
I know the book has been getting winning some awards, and you've been asked lots of. Um, You've been doing various media interviews all over and all over the states, and you've been kind of um, surprised about that. I think everybody really does sort of want to know what the secret life of a cabbie is. I mean, during the break, you were explaining to me about how the pay goes, because I always was curious about that. And um, you were talking about how you pay for the different shifts in order to to have the cab, if it's not your own, for different shifts like Saturday night being $120 for 10 hours and Sunday being $85 and paying the gas and uh, t- all, all the people that you have to tip in order to get good schedules, right? Right. Um, you got the dispatcher and you, you wanted, people are giving him five bucks a shot pretty much and, and um, if you figure that out with 300 cab drivers, wow. giving a guy five bucks a night, He's working five nights a week. Add that up in the non-taxable uh, income. Wow! But uh, yeah, you've got you've got your overhead that you rent the cab, and then you've got to tip folks. And there's the dispatchers who give you the cab, and then there's the radio dispatchers who give you the orders. So if you don't want to say get three fares that night, where you're going to an address that's a vacant lot, mm-hmm. you want to give. The radio dispatchers, you know, either a nice, crisp five or ten dollar bill or uh, whatever the drug of choice is, you know, not not that they're doing coke and smoking joints in the radio room, but they don't have to drive anywhere. What can I say? <laughs> they just punch buttons in the room, so uh, they're fond of their substances over there. But, um, and yeah, the book uh, got the uh, Benjamin Franklin Award for best first book. We got an Irwin Award from an organization in Southern California, and um, it's been uh, a fun ride with the book, actually. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and... I, I'll, I'll tell you, one one of my favorite stories in the book yeah. is, is about a guy who, um, his, na- his name is Bob, and he's uh, just gotten in the cab, and he's had a fight with his girlfriend, and he's a bit drunk. And he has me take him out to the avenues and wait for him. And he goes in the house, comes back out. He then asks me to drive over to a liquor store on another side of town. And in the meantime, what he's done while I've been waiting for him is pick up some snortable goods. So on our way downtown... Pick up some what? Snortable. Oh, snortable. Good. Okay, yeah. So at one point we're stopped at a light, and I've got the windows down. I look him back at me, and he's got his little packet out, and there's white powder all over his clothing. I said, you know, let me roll up the window for you, sir. <laughs> Anyways, then we go, we pick up some booze, and he says to me, well, what's a good place to pick up some prostitutes around here? I said, well, you can try, uh, you know, Mason and O'Farrell's not too bad, but... Um, I'd been warned by the police to stay out of there previously from people trying to get me to drive them around. So he says, oh, I'll be quick. So we, we head downtown. He gets one girl in the car. He says to her, do you got any friends down here? She says, oh, yeah, go, you know, take a left here, take a right there. So there's Stacy. She gets in the car. So now we got the two girls and him. And uh, he pulls out his cell phone. He's been trying to get me to make phone calls on his mm-hmm. cell phone. 
he says to the girls, call your mom. I want you to call your mom. I want to talk to her. So the girl, the one girl dials up her mother. He gets on the phone. Says, oh, hello, Mrs. Smith. Oh, this is Bob. And just wanted to tell you what a lovely daughter you have. We're here in San Francisco. It's having a lovely time driving around downtown. So nice to talk to you. See you later. <laughs> so <laughs> gives the phone back to the girl. You know, if, it's the mother's worst nightmare if she knew what was really going yes, on. Yes, that's what I thought you were going to say, that he, I'm driving around with your daughter since right. with Coke, and, and she stand, I picked her up on the corner. Right. Have you, have you seen the Lord? <laughs> Can I introduce <laughs> you to somebody? No, no. So uh, it, it, then we drive over to the bank, and he tries to get one of the girls to get out and get him some money. And she says, I'm not going to do that. He goes, no, here, my PIN number is, you know, 375. Let's go out and get me 100 bucks. I already took 100 bucks out earlier. Give me another 100 bucks. No, I don't do that kind of a thing. <laughs> so he has she to go out there that, get the money himself. Well, meanwhile, the girls are back in the cab talking about what they're not going to do to him <laughs> when they get back to his place. Well, unfortunately, what we're not going to do is have more time. So I want you to give out to people where they can get your book. Well, the book is No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, The Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. You can get it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, Borders Online, uh, order it at your favorite bookstore. Available everywhere. All right. Well, I guess that's the clue that we need to go, but um, it has been a fun ride, and I'm glad that you survived, and I know that, that part of why you're doing this book or did this book is uh, so that people could feel better realizing that their lives have not sunk to uh, to some of the depths that some of the people that you drove around have sunk yeah. to. <laughs> if you think your life is bad, check some of these people out. Things yeah. aren't so bad as you think. <laughs> and again, the book is No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, and the author is Larry Sager, S-A-G-E-R. Thank you all for listening. Hope you've had a fun ride. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.